Well, hello, folks. Welcome back to another edition of the Firmamental Podcast. I am your host, Raul. We got the brother Alex with us, and we have a very special guest tonight I will introduce very shortly. But first, I just wanted to do some housekeeping with you guys, let you know to go check out the website, thefirmamentalpodcast.com. We do have a new shop. Uh, we have new gear added in there. We added a shirt for Scipio and Dispatches from Reality. We added some other uh, truther and conspiracy theorist gear in there. And of course, all the Firmamental swag you'll, you'll need for your holiday season. So go and stock up on that and uh, get some up for yourself and your relatives and your friends and uh, show support for the truther movement. Also, uh, wanted to tell you guys, go check out Dispatches from Reality. Uh, Thursday will be the fourth episode released on that. And go support Talking Stit and now Disorganized Productions uh, with Rob Nolkin recently on the show. He's going to kind of be uh, adopted as Firmamental Europe. So we're just further expanding our wings throughout this level plane. And uh, go check him out. He actually, his last episode, I believe is episode six in his catalog. He just did a show with Alex. It's a fairly lengthy one, but it's well worth it. So go check it out, guys. Uh, go ahead and say what's up to everybody, Alex, before we introduce our guest. Oh, man, I am very excited tonight for, for this guest, a very special friend. Uh, and it's a little bit heartbreaking because last year I was actually meeting her in person. So it's kind of sad to break the tradition of uh, taking a road trip with my wife in November. And uh, I'm hoping that next year I can drive to Chicago and and meet Karen again and her husband and uh, I just can't wait for for this episode to drop. So, I'll hand yeah, it back. definitely. So uh, he mentioned our guest's name. We have a uh, author. We have an entrepreneur, a uh, lawyer. Uh, I guess marriage counselor. I guess would be one of the right terms, or or relationship counselor, divorce counselor, um, YouTuber, uh, podcaster. We have Karen Covey with us. Uh, like Alex mentioned, she's from Chicago, Illinois, and uh, she has some very important information because we know that, uh, you know, especially during these times, pandemic, post-pandemic, it's been very rough on couples. I mean, when isn't it challenging to to be in a relationship? There's always something that we face and, and how do we navigate these situations? So uh, without any further ado, I'll introduce you to t- tonight's guest, Karen Covey. Uh, for Chicago, Illinois, why don't you go ahead and say hello to the Firmamentalists, let them know a little bit about yourself. Hey, it is wonderful to be here. Thank you so, so very much for having me. Um, and like you said, I am from Chicago, Illinois. I am a divorce coach, not a counselor. So I've got to, you know, I, I can't give do therapy for anybody, but okay. I'm a coach. I am a recovering divorce lawyer. I'm a mediator, arbitrator collaborative divorce professional, author, podcaster, YouTuber, you name it. So I am all things divorce except divorced myself, right? I am the most happily married person to the man, a a wonderful, wonderful man. Um, And I'm so very, very grateful and blessed to um, be able to say that. But I also know that marriages don't always work out for people. So my theory and what, you know, drew me into this work is to say, look, if life happens and a relationship is ending, end it with kindness, end it with compassion, end it in a way that keeps your self-respect for yourself, 
that keeps you know the respect of your children, that doesn't send them to therapy for the rest of their adult life, mm-hmm. and doesn't pay lawyers your entire kid's college fund and your retirement to boot. So I started. I started out in this. Um, I didn't start out of school as a divorce lawyer. I started as a trial lawyer because I couldn't see any other reason to be a lawyer except to you know jury, do jury trials. And so I did that for years. I worked for the government for a couple of years, and then I hung out my own shingle. And I said, I will take any kind of case there is, except divorce. And <laughs> <laughs> you know what they say? I mean, when you make plans, God or the universe or whatever you call the power that is is laughing. All I know is somebody was laughing at me because client after client kept coming in, knocking on the door and saying, hey, Karen, can you take my case? I need a divorce. Karen, do you know a good divorce lawyer? Karen, can you help me? And literally, I was in my office one day, threw up my hands, looked at this guy and said, okay, I'll do divorce. And I haven't looked back since. But because I had like a decade of experience as a lawyer before I started doing divorce, when I walked into divorce court, what I saw like made no sense to me at all. They, I, you know, it's one thing to have the corporate executive of some company that that made uh, some contraption that killed babies or something on the witness stand and ripping their face off in cross examination. I have no problem doing that. When you're talking about this is your husband or your wife. And tonight, after you get done killing each other in a courtroom and shredding each other, you've got to go sit yeah. in a soccer game? Like, on what planet does that make sense? So I kept looking for a better way to do it, which led me to be a mediator, which led me to become a collaborative divorce professional, which led me to become a coach, because at some point I realized I'm one person. I can't change the system. But what I can do is change the people who are going into the system. And when you know better, you're going to do better. So I got on this mission to educate people about what divorce really is about and how they can do it better, how they can do it in a way that doesn't destroy their family. Because here's the truth. You can divorce your spouse, but the two of you are going to be parents forever, period, full stop. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's why I do what I do. So when was this transition from being like a trial lawyer? Uh, What year did this all happen where you just decided, you know, threw up your hands and said, you know what, I'll just go ahead and start taking these divorce cases. What year was that? Okay. Now you're making me feel old because (laughs) I started out, I, I started my own practice in 1995. So the divorce cases started in 1995. Okay. All right. So it wasn't too- In a couple of years. Yeah, no, you got a lot of experience there. You know, and I I do think it's an important subject to talk about because I've seen so many relationships come to an end, especially, I mean, I don't even know the numbers. I'm sure you know because you're in the field. What are the, what's the difference between now and even 10 years ago? Like, what are the divorce percentages right now of couples? Like, I, I'm not even sure the current statistics. You know, you can't get current statistics. That's the problem. They're always lagging behind right? It's a lagging indicator. So I don't know that we have accurate statistics coming post-COVID, but anecdotally, I can tell you that people during the pandemic, nobody got divorced because you were on lockdown together and 
you know, going through a divorce while you are in lockdown, while you couldn't li- leave and you Oof. had to be with, like, that would just be ugly, right? So everyone kind of rode out the tide until the world started to open up again. Yeah. And then it was like, Katie, bar the door, right? Everybody, um, because the relationships, COVID either made your relationship or broke your relationship. Um. Yeah, I was going to say that. I, I was going to say it's a make or break situation. I think for a lot of families, that time drew them closer together. And then there was other families that it tore them apart. And, you know, I, I thought about this in my head and not even, you know, just thinking about children. I thought about children, you know, because my children were in a safe environment during that time, you know, and I actually had the ability to uh, take unemployment for a little while because I had been working on a movie and the movie came, the, the production came and it was perfect timing. The production came to an end and, but at the, I could have jumped right back into work, but I saw my, especially well, how old was he during the time? Like eight years old. I think my middle son was eight years old and he was struggling to keep up. You know, I, an eight year old doesn't know how to formulate an email or make a zip file or, or this and that. So I was able to stay home with him you know, and, and get them up to speed. And then once I felt like my kids were up to speed, you know, with the homeschool thing and getting on the computer, then I, I transitioned back to work. But it was, I, I was lucky enough to be able to stay home with them. But I thought about these kids that, you know, mom and dad are out of work. They just lost their job. They're considered non-essential. You know, a lot of people resorted to drinking and, and, and various bad habits, you know, and I thought about these poor kids that don't live in a safe home. School was their sanctuary, right? They went to school and that was their safe zone. Now they're stuck at home with a frustrated parent who who could be abusing drugs or alcohol. And I felt sorry for these kids that were just stuck in these situations. And I think a lot of families grew closer together and a lot of families, it just further tightened the, 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 the stranglehold of stress. So uh, give me a little feedback on like that, like what you've seen from, from what, your line of work. Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, I think that the saddest thing, the most unfortunate, um, thing that happened in COVID was it wasn't just the stress of the situation, but for anybody that was in a situation where one parent or the other, you know, felt super stressed and pushed, what happened was there was a huge increase in domestic violence, violence against primarily against women and children. Um, although I, I do have to say domestic violence sometimes goes the other way as well, but it just generally increased because everybody was in a pressure cooker. Everybody felt mm-hmm. the stress. Everybody felt the anxiety. So what was really sad and scary was that during that time, um, if you were in an abusive situation, where could you go? Like, a lot of people were really, really hurting during that time, um, and it didn't. So, if if somebody had an anger issue or they had a tendency to um, to lean towards any kind of violence at all, that just COVID just amplified it. Lockdown made everything so much worse, and that was really horrible for a lot of people. Yeah. And Alex, I believe you wanted to ask a question for Karen right here. I was going to say, Karen, so at what point in someone's relationship should they uh, read your book or your blogs or or contact you? At at what point is it a good idea to start looking into some of your services and help? It starts with when you're starting to wonder, 
should I stay or should I go? Because when you're happily married and your relationship is solid, you're not spending your nights staring at the ceiling wondering whether you should get a divorce, right? So the minute that that starts, that question starts in your head, that's when you need to know, okay, maybe I ought to start looking for some help. And whether that help is with me or not, that's a different question though, because I don't know, I I work in the world of divorce because I think everyone has the right to live life on their terms and sometimes relationships don't work out. And when you can't get a divorce, that's worse. However, if you can make your marriage work, go do that. Like do that first. And then if that doesn't work, then you come to me and I can help you figure out is, you know, should you get a divorce? Should you not? What will it look like? Is now the the right time to make that decision? Should you wait? Are there other things you can do? There are a whole lot of resources out there in the world for people to work on their marriage. I can give people some of those resources, send them in the right direction. I'm not a marriage counselor myself, but I know plenty of people who are. Um, and then if that doesn't work, then I can say, okay, you tried that. Now, if you decide to go down the path of divorce, no judgment, right? But now you it's how do you do that in the best way possible so that you're not wasting time, wasting money, and really hurting your kids? Mm. I think that's what I like about you, Karen, is that you're not pushing people towards divorce. No. I am like little fun fact about me, I am the biggest hopeless romantic you will ever find, which is very weird for a divorce lawyer, but it's true. <laughs> you, ha- I have to believe in marriage to believe in divorce because the marriage, you know, it, it's two sides of the same coin. I believe that marriage is a great way to go for people. I know young people these days aren't doing it as often as as, you know, we did back in my generation. Oh my God, now I really sound like I'm old. Um, but even still, like, I believe in marriage and I believe in divorce, both. And those aren't opposites. They're just two sides of the same coin. Yeah. So I'm just curious, like in your line of work, is it, are you only working with one of the individuals in the relationship or are are there instances where you're working with both people involved, the, the, the wife and the husband or, or vice versa? Like, I personally only work with one person at a time. I work with one person in the couple. There are, though, because I've been in this business for as many decades as I have been, um, I know a lot of different resources and things that people can use. There's, I mean, not only just marriage counseling, but there's marriage coaching, which is a very different approach, right? It's usually done by therapists who were marriage counselors, but they've found ways to be more effective. But in order to do coaching, both people really have to want to buy in, right? They've got to agree, I want to work on this relationship, and then they can do coaching. There's another kind of counseling. It's called discernment counseling, which is for a couple, which is for the the couple that is saying, I don't know, should we stay or should we get a divorce? Most of the time, one person is leaning more towards divorce. The other person is leaning more towards staying married. And the discernment counselor can help them figure that out. Like, which way do you want to go? And the idea is, if you say you're going to stay married, then you have to guarantee for six months, divorce is off the table. And you two are going to go to counseling. You're going to work on your marriage. You're going to see if you can pull that off. If you're going to get a divorce, 
then you're going to go down that road. And, you know, it just is what it is. Because the truth is, it takes two people to make a marriage. It makes takes one person to make a divorce. Yeah. And the other person might not like that, but they can make it take longer. They can make it cost more. They're not going to stop it. They're just not. So it's about, you know, there are a lot of different options for people that didn't used to exist. Divorce coaching didn't exist 20, 30 years ago. You know, so there people have a lot of resources out there now. The question is, you know, can you find them? Can you, you know, learning and discovering what they are and what's going to work for you. I think it's important that people understand too. Like, I think going through an event like that is such an isolating period of time and you stay stuck inside of your own head and your own thoughts. And people need to know that they need to channel their energies in a positive way, right? Because if you're not dealing with these things internally and you're not, you don't have an an outlet for these things, they're going to fester and it's going to, you know, that's, that's where breeds like, you know, uh, let's say you, you're a recovered alcoholic, somebody going through this phase, that's something that can trigger them back to alcoholism, you know, back to the bottle, you know, these stumbling blocks in our life. So like for you in this line of work, give me a few examples of obviously not putting personal information out there, but like, you know, uh, give me some examples of like what a success story would look like, uh, 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 you know, one from where you've seen a couple, uh, rekindle their relationship and make it work again. And then another one where it was a successful story of two people splitting apart, you know, and making it, you know, the least painful and the least ugly where these two people seem to figure it out and get it done with minimal damage and, and manage to keep it, it, it good for the other relatives involved. Do you have some examples for us? Yeah. In both cases, the key is Focusing not on your spouse and what they're not doing right or blaming them for the demise of the relationship or this or that or you, you know, that never works. And it completely divests you of your own power. The only power any of us have is to control ourself, right? So you always start with you. And if you can manage to control your own emotions, no matter which way you go, you're going to give yourself the best chance for a successful outcome. So in, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm to make a conglomeration of people so you can't identify, there's no identifying information in this, but we'll take a guy named, I'll call him Joe, okay? So Joe, what, he and his wife were, they were on the outs for years. What happens a lot is that, you know, they start out, a, a couple starts out strong, they have a couple kids, they lose their focus on themselves as a couple, they start focusing just on the kids. They become more of roommates than anything else. Years go by, and all of a sudden, mm -hmm. they're strangers. Typically, about the time that the kids are the la the youngest kid is nearing high school graduation, um, they're looking. You know, one of them is looking at the other and thinking, "I don't even know you anymore," and and we're going to be retired together, and I'm going to spend the rest of my life with you. And yeah, how is that going to work? And then that's when the marriage starts to fall apart. And I have coached people to say, look, there are ways that you can talk to each other differently that start to rekindle the relationship, to rebuild the relationship. But it starts with you. You can't accuse, you can't blame, you can't expect your spouse to change. You got to change. 
You got to say, yeah. oh, God, I want to do this. And there are different techniques. I didn't create them, but there's some pretty famous marriage therapists who have created ways that people can interact with each other to try to have a conversation and see, is there something still here? Like, is this worth saving? And I've given some people, uh, you know, different techniques to have conversations where they can really listen to each other and feel heard. And once that happens, like the whole world can shift. And I, I mean, and I am as surprised as anybody when I'm, you know, I'm talking to a client and he or she is like, yeah, we got back together. I don't need you anymore. I'm like, great, that is awesome. But it takes having a conversation and it takes having a conversation because the way most of us talk is we talk, you know, we talk thinking about what the next thing we're going to say is. We're not listening to what the other person is saying. And so the other person, you know, you can, you can think you're really good at this if you want, but the truth is they feel your energy. They, they don't feel like you're really getting them like you're really and if you can dive down and just dial in and focus and have a, a, a real conversation with your spouse sometimes you will be amazed at the doors that open and it, it's not just about one conversation but you need that door to open so you can stick your fit, foot in it and then have the next conversation and the next conversation and the saddest thing that i see with people is that they don't want to be honest. They mm-hmm. don't want to tell the, the spouse the truth about what they feel because, and this is the ironic part, because they're afraid to lose the relationship. And so they don't speak their truth. They don't show their emotions. And that ultimately eats it away, away at them inside to the point where they end up losing the relationship anyway. So it's about having the courage, and I it takes courage, to say to someone that you love and care about, hey, this isn't working for me. Something's not right. Something's not working. Can we talk about it? And having those deep conversations about what's going on, not having the same fight you've had 57,000 times over something that isn't really what you're fighting about, right? And that's yeah. the, the, the key is to start to break the pattern because we all get into patterns in relationships, right? You say something, you're, you you already know your wife is going to react this way. Or, you know, I know my husband, what he's going to say or what he's going to do. You you get to know each other and you form these grooves in relationships, mm-hmm. right? And if the grooves are working, that's fine. But if when they're not, you start to ingrain the bad pattern and that's what you need to break. And that takes honest and deep communication. There's just no way around that. And you can do it in the, you know, like I said, you can do it with a coach, you can do it with a therapist, you can do it in a lot of different circumstances, but you got to do it. Or in the end, it's going to be curtains for your marriage or your relationship. And everything I'm saying, it it applies to marriage. It also applies to any relationship, you know, any serious long-term relationship. So I've, I've had a, a, a case where I was working with a client, things were really going bad. He thought, Joe thought everything was over, like he had moved out. There was no way this was going to work. And on and on and on, started talking with his wife. They, one thing led to another, and they got back together. And as far as I know, they're still together. So 
that was the story, the success story on the marriage side. On the divorce side, I had a, a case one time. It is This was as a lawyer, but it was my personal record for the fastest divorce ever. <laughs> From start to finish took 10 days. These were people that had been married for, I don't know, I mean, it was maybe 15, 20 years. They still had a child together who was under 18. They were the most amicable company couple that I'd ever seen. I, I was looking at them and I, I honestly was so surprised. But here's how it happened. They had been living separate for years. Each one of them had done their own emotional work. So they weren't like at each other's throats anymore. They'd worked out a lot of their issues, right? They knew they didn't want to be married, but they got along together and they had a kid together and they'd worked out a parenting schedule and they they did all the things. And they came to me and I can't remember the, the details, but for some reason they needed, there was a tax reason that they needed to be divorced by December 31st. Because in the United States, your filing status is determined as of midnight or, you know, 1159 on December 31st. If you're still married, you can't file, you know, separate taxes. I mean, you can file married filing separately, but you can't file as a single taxpayer. And they needed to do this for, for whatever reason. And they came into my office and it was already the middle of December. So they were motivated to get this done. They'd already worked out a lot of their stuff, but they, they they thought they had an agreement. They came to me and they said, hey, you know, can you write up this agreement for us? And I'm like, well, sure, except that, you know, people say they used one lawyer. That's impossible in the United States. It's always one person had the lawyer and one person went without. So I got all that straight with them. Okay, who wants the lawyer? And, the, and they, they decided... And there's always something that people, like there's issues people don't think about it. You've never been through a divorce before. There's going to be something. I'm going to be able to ask you a question that you didn't ever think about, right? And usually that starts a fight, right? But I would ask a question about, hey, what do you want to do about this? And the guy would look at the woman and he'd be like, oh, I don't know. What do you want to do? And she'd say, I don't know. What do you want to do? You want to do this? Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, we'll do that. And they really agree <laughs> on everything. And I would say, and this was pre-COVID, you, you can't do that. Now. You can't do this now because the court system is a little upside down still. Mm. But, um, but, but I was able to get them through from start to finish in 10 days because they dealt with their stuff before they walked in the door. Yeah. So I just, I'm just curious, and this is a kind of a bit of a joke, but at the same time, it's a legit question. But when you have these success stories, though, like on the other hand, a couple get back together, don't you lose out on profits when you don't get to represent them in the divorce court? Or or are people actually like, you know, uh, these services that you're providing for people, you know, is it out of the kindness of your heart or is this actually like another business for you? Like, because if, if you're if you're if you're salvaging relationships and getting helping getting people back together, then you're not making money as as for your lawyer work. That's so it's kind of it's kind of interesting that you're into helping people mend their relationships, but at the same time, it that's also how you make your money when relationships do come to an end. So I was just kind of wondering how that works because that's that's an interesting dichotomy right there. It is. It's a very interesting dichotomy, and I no longer take cases as a divorce lawyer. 
So all of my income, and I do, this is a business. I mean, I love helping people, but at the end of the day, I've also got to eat as well. So I coach people all over the world. I am no longer limited to the state of Illinois. I coach people all over the world um, to either make a decision about their their marriage, and if they want to go down the road of divorce, I help them do that better. And yeah. you know, if they stay married, the truth is, I'm only happy. I don't. There are enough divorcing people in the world. I do not have to make people miserable. I don't have to, you know, like I'm, I, I've got plenty of business. Like I'm now worried yeah. about. It. And it would it makes me happy when people stay together. It makes me happy when people have the courage to say, "This isn't working. I want a different life." My job, my goal with anyone I work with is to help them make a decision that they feel good about. I don't get to choose. It's not my job to make the decision for them. I can't make it for them. I help them make it so that whichever way they go, they can live a better life. And when they do that, that is where I get my sense of joy and satisfaction that I've helped them do whatever they're doing better and be clear about what they want to do. Yeah, Alex, uh, go yeah, ahead. I, I was, was going to ask you, Karen, um, what is the most challenging type of situation? Is it infidelity um, when when you're dealing with it? Because to me, that is a powder keg. And that's when, in my mind, that's when you would really probably help, especially when emotions are very high, right? But like, what what's the you know worst case scenario? All right. If you're talking about causes of divorce, yeah, infidelity is way up there. Um, I think just general incompatibility, like what came out in COVID is part of it. Substance abuse is huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to keep an intimate relationship together when one person is an addict. Um, infidelity, also big, huge problem. Um, so in terms of what are the issues that can blow up a marriage, those are probably the big ones. Money can also blow up a marriage if you're always fighting, always fighting about money that can be a problem. Um, Or if it's not even just the fighting, it's one person controls all the money and the other person has no control and feels like a a child or, or they just feel so vulnerable when they have to always ask for money. So money can be a big issue as well. In terms of the worst divorce situations, those are without a doubt the high conflict cases um, where one person is just not going to be reasonable and is like they're they're into the scorched earth policy. They're just going to fight. They're angry. They have anger issues. Heaven forbid the domestic violence ones. Those are really ugly and those are scary because I will tell you, people die. Yeah. So when domestic violence is an issue, it is something you need to take seriously. And those cases, those divorce cases can be among the ugliest. You know, just speaking from some experience, not necessarily firsthand, but, you know, secondhand through my older siblings, because I, I'm the youngest in my family. So my my eldest siblings have a different father than than I. And I know of the situation that they went through as young children. 
And my mom was in, in a situation where she was being physically abused. The kids were being physically, physically abused. Uh, my older brothers, uh, and sister, I, I have three siblings that came out of this marriage. They, they, you know, they went through firsthand abuse, seeing mom getting abused in the house, you know, uh, uh, raging alcoholic with, uh, manic depression and bipolar. And just like, it was a, it was a, it was a powder keg situation. Like you guys just said, but, um, I know that I don't, I'm, I, I don't think my sister got it as bad, but I know from my two older brothers, they, they really went through the ringer as, as children and they got to be older. Right. And, and then when they, then and what's crazy, they're both married now. And both of them have been married to their high school sweethearts and are still married to them to these days. But what's crazy is both of my brothers and, and what really sucks is I think both of them would have been tremendous fathers, but because they went through what they went through as a kid, they decided they made a conscious choice. Like, Hey, I don't know what I'm capable of. And I don't know if these demons will come back out if I, if we ever have children. So they both decided, Hey, I'm not going to have kids. And neither, neither my brother, Chris, nor my brother, Rick ever had children. And I think it's so sad because they would have been great dads because they're great uncles and they're great human beings. They both have successful careers, but you know what? I honestly, I have a lot of respect for them that they recognize that that could be a potential issue. And instead of, uh, of bring a child into a situation that, you know, that they, they, they weren't comfortable with, they made a conscious decision not to go there. And I think it's the same thing with relationships, right? It's like, if you really know, you have to be honest with yourself and you have to, to own up to your, to yourself and what you're doing. And I, What's crazy is like, I want to talk to the people and I want to talk to the listeners and I want to tell them like, Hey, if you can salvage your relationship, if you can keep your family together, if you can make it work, if you can sacrifice a bit of yourself, because it really is a 50, 50 partnership. And I think that's where relationships fail is when, when, whether it's, you know, intimately, financially, spiritually, you know, uh, all, all these different things, you know, that, 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 that come into the, the mixing pot of a relationship. But if you can make it work and sac sacrifice a bit of yourself and find common grounds, I think it takes both sides to make that happen. But at the same time, like my brothers did, you know, with as far as making the choice not to have children, I like, I respect that, you know, um, if it, if it's to the point where, you know, it's getting ugly and, and you can spare it, it and there's already kids involved or there's not kids involved, but it's just getting to that point where it's like, Hey, uh, I deserve better. You deserve better. Let's be honest with each other. Let's come to the table. Let's, let's try to make this be, I don't want to go through, I don't want to go through like heartache and, and I don't want to have, you know, I want to make this as easy for myself, make this as easy for you. Like, but I, it's so hard for couples to go there. Cause I think there's always one side that wants to hold on. And there's one side that wants to, to run straight out the door you know, scurrying away like a cartoon, you know what I mean? And then the other one's just there trying to hold on. Like that has to be the biggest challenge is getting people to face these realities and, and, and take ownership. Like, I don't know, man, that I couldn't even imagine trying to do it. I, I could not do your line of work. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you bring up a really good point, you know, in terms of what is the powder keg Mental illness will do it every time. That is something that's really difficult to live with. It's difficult for the person who has it, and it's even more difficult for their spouse as well. So that's the kind of thing that 
that'll have effects on a relationship. And like what happened to your brothers, the sad part is this goes on for generations. Now they've stopped the chain because they're not having kids, but look at mm-hmm. how the your parents' divorce or their parents' divorce affected them. You mm-hmm. know, it dramatically changed their lives. Yeah. And so it's it's about that's why I say to parents that, you know, it's a, about being aware that everything you do affects your children. There are ways that two parents can get through a divorce without wrecking their kids' lives, without sending their kids into therapy forever, without having this trauma and aftermath, right? But you've got to be intentional about it, and you really have to put your children first. And the problem is it's hard to put your kids first. You want to as a parent, but when you're an emotional wreck, and you're angry, and you're sad, and you're depressed, and you're up, and you're down, and you've got all of the emotions going on inside of you. You're just trying to keep your own self together, yeah. and it's hard then to really say what's best for your kid and to put them really first, right? To protect them from the adult stuff. It's just way too easy to drag them in in a variety of different ways, and that's what you really. That's why I say to people when. If this is going to happen to you, you have got to get a handle on your own emotions first, as fast as you can, as much as you can, because if you don't deal with them and it, handling your own emotions doesn't mean stuffing them down and pretending yeah. they don't exist. You are not a robot, right? Mm. And if you don't, if you just stuff the emotions down, what happens is they come out sideways. One day you're in the grocery store and someone says, hey, how are you doing? And you start bawling and you have an entire meltdown in the, you know, in the, in the <laughs> produce aisle, right? And you don't know why. Or you go the other way and you're in the middle of talking to your kid. They say something and they trigger you and all of a sudden you're screaming. And it's not, you don't mean to be screaming at your child or at the person or it's not about whatever it looks like it's about. It's about the fact that you're angry, you're upset, you're hurt, you've got all this inside of you, and it's got to come out. So it's about learning how to deal with those emotions, manage them, live with them, not let them run the show, right? You don't want to walk around being a screaming maniac all the time, but it's about getting getting control over them, feeling them. This is the ironic part. You have to feel it to work through it and let it go. And most people stop it at the feeling part because they don't want to feel it because it feels bad. And I get that. But if you stop it there and you stop it down, you go, nope, not going to feel, I- I'm going to ignore it, doesn't happen. That's when you end up having longer term problems. Yeah, I think uh, definitely. And I can speak from experience, like suppressing things or thinking that just by ignoring them that they're just eventually going to go away or time will fix things. It's definitely not the way to deal with it. And then I know myself, you know, and I'm, I'm just being bluntly honest because I'm always like this with the listeners, you know, I've struggled with, uh, you know, a substance abuse in my life, in periods of my life. And, and, and it's still even a challenge sometimes up to this day, because it's very easy to be like, oh, you know, I've worked all week. I haven't had a drink. Now it's time, you know, I deserve this. And then four turns into eight and eight turns into 12. You know what I mean? And then, and, and, and you're, it's, and then, and then 
that's when the emotions start pouring out, you know? And I think a lot of couples go through this, you know, you don't even have to be an everyday alcoholic or an everyday, everyday user of some sort of substance or drug, but sometimes people bottle and suppress things and then they don't deal with it instead of dealing it while on a daily basis and coming to their, their mate and saying, Hey, look, like, this is how I feel. This is what I want from you because they're scared of rejection or scared of how they're going to react. It's better just to, I think it's better just to get it out there and vice versa. Let your mate do the same thing with you, you know, let your, your spouse do, or your girlfriend, or, you know, we're talking about marriage here, but let them do the same thing with you. And, 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 and like you said, you got to actually listen to what they're saying, but I think just suppressing it, ignoring it, it's going to come out eventually. And then it's going to happen in a situation like when you're drinking or when you're doing this or, or when you feel vulnerable or when you've had a bad day at work and just everything's gone wrong. And then, you know, God forbid she burns the dinner or, you know, he, he breaks something or whatever, you know what I mean? And, 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 and you fly off the handle and, and everything comes out like a giant tornado. And then, you know, and then, and then, and then if you have children, the, the kids are subjected to hearing all of that stuff. So I don't know. I just, Speaking from experience and, and and seeing a lot of my friends and a lot of couples go through this stuff, it's just like talking to some of my buddies too that have gone through this stuff. It's like, hey man, like if you can fix it, fix it. But if not, it's better for you guys to learn how to just get along and raise the co-raise these kids than to keep them in this situation where you guys are constantly fighting because the the kids deserve a peaceful environment. So I tell couples, if if you guys can work things out. And you guys can hash through these things and you guys can learn these new techniques and learn to listen to one another. Do it. Save it. But if it's to that point, if it's past that breaking point, and sometimes it is, you know, like me, I'm a Christian and there are biblical reasons for getting a divorce and there's non-biblical reasons for getting a divorce, right? You know, and uh, there's selfish reasons and there's righteous reasons. Like what, what, what is the underlying reason? And, uh, I, I think definitely if you're in a physically abusive relationship, get out of it. it. You know, if you're with somebody who's constantly, you know, uh, drinking and drugging and, 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 and living in an unsafe environment and they're vol, you know, they don't have to be volatile, you know, just because you're a substance abuser doesn't mean you're violent, but you know, like if those situations, you know, infidelity, I'd say definitely infidelity and violence head for the hills, but you know. I, I, but then, but then at the same time, infidelity, there's could be other reasons that cause it. Right. So, uh, not necessarily, but I think definitely violence is a reason to head for the hills, you know, like don't stick around in a violent relationship, you know, but, uh, it's just, it's just so complex and it's so hard. And there's so many more factors going on in our society that are, that are contributing to these problems. And it's not helping that our economy is shattered it's so hard just to make it. And I, I saw some crazy statistic that said 65 or it was like 60 or to 65% of couples that are divorced are still cohabitating together because they can't afford to live on their own. Like that's insane to me. Like that one I would question, but, but, but it's true. I mean, I've been around. Maybe it wasn't that high, but it was a, it was a pretty significant number. And I, I would like to see where the, the, the study came from, but it was a really high number that that blew me back. What I can say again, anecdotally, having been working as a divorce professional for decades in the 2008 recession, when people were really hurting and you know everyone's retirement accounts had, had gone down in value, a lot of people lost their jobs. It was it was tough for a while in 08 too, and at that point and. 
at that point, that was when the mortgage crisis happened. So people- yeah, I remember the that. Of their house was often, their houses were worth less than what they owed on it. So they couldn't afford to mm-hmm. sell the house. And in that situation, there were quite a number of people who got divorced and they had to live together because they couldn't, they literally couldn't get rid of the house. So it happens. Uh, hey, Karen, um, I was going to ask you about your website and some of the resources on there and what people can find on there, what, you know, people that are l- looking for more information, like what what can people expect to find on your site that can help them? There are, I think, over 200 articles on divorce. I have a YouTube channel that's got, I don't know, hundreds of videos on divorce and decision making and, and, and all those things. So if you if people go to my website, which is at Karen Covey, K-A-R-E-N-C-O-V-Y.com. There's no E in my version of Covey, or I'd be related <laughs> to somebody famous and, you know, I wouldn't have to work for a living. Um, but so it's KarenCovey.com. They can find articles on divorce. They can find whatever medium you you like. You like want to listen to a podcast, it's there. You want videos, they're there. You want, there. I have free handouts and information and checklists that people can get. I've got a quiz people can take to see Hey, am I ready for divorce? Because getting uh, into this when you're not ready is the biggest mistake you can make. You've, I mean, if this is what you've got to, you know, if this is what you're going to do, you've got to be prepared, right? So that's what I devote my work to. And there's something, what I've tried to do is structure this so that there's something for everybody. For people who can't afford a lot, there's a lot of free information there. For people who want to, who can afford more, want to buy the book, okay, you can get the book. If you, you know, next level up, you want a course, I prepared an online course that educates you about divorce. So you go to one place, you get accurate information, it's all right there for you, and you can watch eight hours of videos for less than what you'd pay a lawyer one hour of their time for, and you can wow. watch 24-7, right? So there's that level. You want to work with me as a coach? That's more expensive. But, you know, it's a higher level of, of service. But the idea is there is something for everybody, no matter where you're at, so that you can get the information and the help that you need. So there's, there's like I said, there's there are things there for everybody. Um, I would highly encourage anyone, if you're thinking about divorce or facing it, the other thing is, you know, you go to my website, Nobody knows. Yeah. You erase your browsing history and and nobody knows. So so that gives you like I have a lot of people that are, you know, what I call lurkers, right? Because you can get the information without having to feel like you, you know, you're doing something wrong or you now you're committed to go down a path you're not ready for. It's not about that. It's about getting an education so you know what path to choose. Yeah, I think that's really important to get the right information at the right time. And that's another reason why I wanted you on the podcast, because I I just, I want as many people as possible to know about you and what you do, because so many people can waste so much time and money and, and their emotions and rip their families apart. And the world needs more Karen Covey. So I'm just, yeah, I'm just super excited to have you here. Thank you, Alex. You're making me blush. (laughs) You know, and it's crazy too, because I think about Alex and, and, and Kati, and they're just such an amazing dynamic couple and what coming up on your, is it the 25th wedding anniversary? Yeah. 25 years. Yeah. 25 years. Look at that. And, and before that, you know, they were high school sweethearts. I think you guys hooked up at what, 16? 
Uh, 15, yeah. So actually, <laughs> next, next year is 30 years together. So, and I'm only 45. So uh, basically, we were a child, a child marriage arranged, like old school. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it, he's right, though. It's, it's a, it's, a, I don't want to say an ugly conversation because your work is important and, and, and there are success stories and there, there are beautiful things. And look, dude, people deserve to be happy, you know, and when a relationship is coming to an end, I just want to let people know, like, you know, whether you're the, the man or the woman in this situation, you know, um, and, and a relationship's coming to an end, uh, people deserve love and they deserve to be loved. And if they're not getting it somewhere, you know, you have the right to first find it for yourself. That's what I would say, you know, because if you don't love yourself, you don't have the capability to truly love someone else. Right. It's just like, if you can't take care of your own family, why are you going to leave to try to go start another one when you can't even take care of the one you have work on your problems, face your problems. Don't bottle them up and talk to someone like Karen Covey and get the help that you need. You know? Uh, Hey, Karen, uh, I don't know if you mentioned your book. Uh, would you tell them about your book? Yeah, the book is available on Amazon. It's called When Happily Ever After Ends, How to Survive Your Divorce Emotionally, Financially, and Legally. And I wrote it as a sort of a general how-to guide of the big picture of the things that you need to know if you're facing divorce. And the reason I wrote it is the original edition. I'm not, This is now in the second edition, but originally when I wrote it, the only books that you could get in the self-help section on divorce were either literally Divorce for Dummies or the, <laughs> the stories of, I went through my divorce, here's all the sharp tactics that I could that I used against my spouse or you could use against yours. And it, like, it was ugly. It was really ugly. And so for people who wanted to do things better, there was nothing available. And that's why I wrote the book back then. And have since updated it, um, and it's available now. There are a lot of good books that are out on the market. Um, I hope I hope people think mine is one of them. But um, it's there and it's available. You can get it on my website or on Amazon. Right on. And then uh, also any any final words or words of inspiration or or just something that you wanted to leave the people with on a positive note. And then mention the mention your um, podcast again. Because you mentioned the website, we'll put all the links. Firma Mentalist, we'll put all the links in the show notes. So if if anybody out there is listening to this and you feel like you need these services or you want to reach out, everything will be in the show notes. But go ahead and mention those things again. Yeah. So and, and leave us with a positive note. Okay. the <laughs> The positive note. Let me think. Um, let me start with that because I think it's so important. I mean, look, relationships. Well, I, I, I'm going to get the saying wrong, but people say that re some relationships can be for a reason or a season or for life. And we all want to think mm -hmm. that the the relationship that we have with our spouse was for life. I've never met anybody who didn't take their marriage vows seriously. People say that divorce is too easy. That's not what I've seen. It's a struggle and people don't want to do it. But like you said, Raul, you're, everybody is entitled to some happiness. And you want to raise your kids in a way that gives them the best chance for happiness. And if they're seeing a really horrible example of the two of you fighting, studies have shown over and over and over again, it is not divorce just as divorce 
that hurts children. It's conflict. So it's going mm. ugly divorce that messes them up or staying in the ugly marriage, right? If mom and dad are fighting and, and they're at each other's throats, that is going to affect the children. That is, you know, even going back to your situation, that's what affected your brothers and sisters, right? So it's about finding peace, finding happiness, and it all starts with you. It's about loving yourself and having enough self-respect to say, if something isn't working and you know you've tried everything, it's not going to work, then maybe it's time to gracefully release it and let it go and give yeah. both of you the chance at finding some happiness. And it's something that everybody can do. And if you do do it, you're going to be setting an amazing example for your children, right? They're going to see an example of somebody who really took care of themselves, took care of their own needs without, you know, scorching and burning the rest of the family in the process. And it's doable. And if you can do that, honest, first of all, with yourself and then with everybody else, like this world can be a better place and you can release your spouse to have a better relationship with somebody else and you can as well. So it can all end up being positive and, you know, as, as sucky as it is to go through a divorce and it's awful, it can, you know, it just hurts no matter how you do it, but it's from the challenges and the bumps in the road that we grow. And if you can use divorce as a, a, a learning experience and say, okay, where can I be at the end of this? Where do I, what can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? You can take a negative and turn it into a positive. And at yes. the end of the day, that's where we all want to be. That's the thing that will really put you in that better place. So that's my, my positive. And as for the podcast, my podcast is called Off the Fence. And so what I focus on in the podcast isn't just divorce, it's decision-making. Because when you go through a divorce, if you mm. go through a divorce, you're going to be forced to make more major life decisions in a relatively short period of time than you are at any similar time period in your life. And there is a science to decision-making. And if you understand how to make decisions better that's going to serve you whether you stay married, whether you get a divorce, in this relationship, in the next relationship, in every relationship. So the, the podcast is all about talking to people in different situations, sometimes about divorce, sometimes not. Alex, you were a guest on my podcast. And it was about how do you work with your wife, right? Because mm. that can be a challenging situation. And you two do it beautifully, right? Yeah. So it's about life is about decisions. And the decisions you make determine the direction that you go and the quality of the life that you live. So if you can do that, if you can find ways to do that better in a variety of situations, you're going to be happier, your kids are going to be happier, and you're going to have a higher quality life. So that's what the podcast is about. You can find it, again, it's off the fence, um, and you can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. And I was going to say, Karen, that you are an awesome interviewer as well because when i was on there yeah i was really impressed with the questions and i and i mean i love raul raul is amazing and he makes firmamental firmamental and it really comes down to how creative the the host is 
And I think that you do an amazing job hosting and you're not just some regular podcaster to me. Like you, you are awesome. And I was so honored to be on there. So thank you. And, and, and I was honored to have you. It was, it was great having you on the show, (laughs) but I just like to try to, and and Raul, I can see you're doing the same thing too, trying to ask the questions that you think the listeners would have, right? Yes. This is all about getting information to them. So you kind of put yourself in their position and say, well, huh, I wonder what they would ask. And, and that's what I try to do. Well, you do it very well. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that episode that Alex sent me. Like it was, and it was awesome to hear more about uh, the that. See, and it is listen for Momentalist. Her podcast is not just about like people breaking up and divorce and all this stuff too. Because Alex had a beautiful episode about what a really healthy relationship looks like, and you know, for those people that are going through a, a split right now, you know, just know that. Hey, I got a success stories in my family too, you know, and, uh, my mom's beautifully remarried now. And, uh, you know, I lost my biological dad in 2008. Um, but like I said, my mom and my dad, even though that relationship didn't work, like her first marriage didn't work, my mom found a, a her diamond in the rough. She's been married now. Shoot. I want to say my mom and Doug have been married over 20 years now. And I, I love my stepfather and he treats my mom like a queen and and they travel to so many different destinations around the world. And they're in their 80s and they're still playing golf and still traveling around. So they're doing good. I, and uh, my mom does listen to the podcast. So I just wanted to tell you that I love you, mom. And I love you, Doug. And uh, I love all you fermamentalists out there. That's beautiful. <laughs> right on. Well, hey, um, Karen, go ahead and uh, say your final goodbyes. And then I'm going to. We'll say our final goodbyes. (laughs) I just wanted to thank both of you, Alex and Raul, for for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. And the fact that you're willing to put this on your podcast, which is, again, it could be interpreted as being a little bit off topic. It is something that people don't want to talk about a lot of times. But yet, the more we talk about it, the more we bring things into the open, into the light, um, then that's the way that you can really start dealing with them and creating a better world for everyone. So I've been thoroughly, I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. I'm, I'm honored to be a, a guest on the show. And again, for anybody who wants to check me out, you can just go to my website. That's probably the best place to find me at karencommy.com, although I'm on all the socials as well. Right. Uh, well, it was great to have you. And, uh, you know, uh, it is a, definitely a different change of speed, but that's good. That's what we like to do here because uh, we talk about some pretty crazy stuff on Fermamentals. So uh, I get, you know, there. this message, I, I'm a firm believer in the Lord. And I know that there's somebody out here, and Alex had this feeling that there's somebody out here that's in our listenership that needs this message. So once again, thank you for joining us. And in saying that, remember people, protect your domes and we'll see you next time. Peace. How do we find ourselves here Within these walls and chains As a teardrop lands Who is there to blame? Fuck!
from the state It's steps that one can't take Praying to a love Till skies turn